You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. So now you have Mitchell Robinson coming back in the fold. You have a team that's now secured right now in the sixth spot. The five seed is, is you know, within an arm's length away from them, just uh, two games back. How would you assess where the Knicks are at this point uh, going to the All-Star break overall? I mean, it's kind of a big picture of it. Yeah. I mean, listen, we got we to gotta recalibrate what we think this team could be. Because right now, um, you know, on the season, they only seven teams in the NBA have more wins than the Knicks. Um, the Knicks rank eighth in net rating. Um, that's a season's worth of, of, of big picture stuff here now, you know, um, dating back to December 4th, that Sunday night game against the, the Mavs, um, Knicks have the fourth best record in the NBA. Um, so there's, there's, you know, <laughs> again, they're top five in offensive efficiency during that stretch, just outside the top 10 in defensive efficiency. Um, so we kind of got to look at, you know, we got to change the way we think about this team. I think a little bit, there's 22 games left in the season. Um, yeah. for me, this, you know, just kind of looking at the big picture this morning. Um, and I wrote about it in the newsletter, I think, and we'll talk about the bench unit and the, you know, shooting percentages have increased and Julius Randall's. Um, you know, he's been a f- far more efficient player. Um, Hart gives them, you know, their, their defensive rating has increased, but outside of numbers and all that other quantifiable stuff to me, kind of what struck uh, the, the, the reason I wrote about it was, I'm not sure if you're watching the MSG post game, like in the, you know, the few minutes after the game ended when they interviewed Brunson on the court, yeah. you know, Rebecca Harlow was talking to him and just kind of, you know, where do you think about this team? And of course, Brunson saying the right things. It's a good win, but we need to stay focused. We need to, you know, just the, the Derek Jeter, don't say anything brilliance of, of a, of a, of a, of a guy who's um, who grew up in New York and, you know, his father was a professional athlete and understands the best answer is saying a lot and giving the guy and giving the person asking the question, nothing, you know, you just, you know, just again, say all the right things. um, And he's doing that, Um, you know, right after the interviews, RJ Barrett comes over and kind of gives him a hug and, yeah. and, and Brunson smiles and he pushes him away. You know, he says something like, don't say anything crazy or, you know, don't say yeah, anything yeah. foolish or, you know, so, so Brunson, uh, so Barrett giggles and walks away. Rebecca, Rebecca Harlow asks him where, what do you see from the Knicks right now? Like, where are you guys? Brunson replies, we're in a good place. And he literally, as he finishes, the, you know, that sentence and he's going to continue on with the answer, a shirtless, smiling uh, Julius Randle comes over and gives him a big bear hug and says, "Yeah, JP, yeah, baby." <laughs> you know, like they're 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 clowning around, and um, Brunson escapes the bear hug from Randle and, and pushes him away, and he's smiling. And Rebecca Harlow says, um, "It seems like the chemistry is pretty good," you know. And Randle's still kind of hovering over, and Brunson goes, "Dude, what do you want, man?" And Brunson yeah, goes, "I yeah. thought you wanted the interview." And Randle kind of you know <laughs> laughing, you know, runs away, and and and. Brunson kind of reiterates like two or three more times. He's just smiling and she's smiling and everyone's giggling. And he just says, we're in a good place. And I couldn't help but think back to like a year ago at this time. Right. Knicks, you know, Knicks were so far from a good place. Uh, in the middle of a seven game losing streak um, that would end in early March, they were 13 games below 500. Yeah. They um, won like one, didn't they win like one game in February? <laughs> Something crazy like, like that. that. Yeah. It was just ugly and awful. And to see where they are now, the complete 180, 
you just can't help but look at one man. You know, essentially they have the same roster. You know, like the Knicks. You know, out, you know, you were Alex Burks and Kemba Walker are no longer here, but you know, Grimes and 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 Randall and Mitch Rob and and uh, RJ Barrett RJ, and Emmanuel yep. Quickly, um, and Obi, Obi Toppin. Yep. All the guys in terms of minutes played. You know, iHeart's the only real uh, rotation player that wasn't on the team last year. Um, and you look at how and how much that's turned around. On the flip side. Look over in Dallas. They have the same roster essentially. They've only replaced before the obviously the, the Kyrie Irving trade, which shook everything up. But for the first 55 plus games a season, they had essentially the same roster they did last year when they won 52 games and went to the Western Conference Finals. The only significant uh, change was obviously Jalen Brunson left for New York, but they brought in Christian Wood. So he's kind of absorbed those minutes. The Mavs yeah. right now are two games over 500. Um, and they're 16th in the NBA in that, in, in yeah. that rating. So I just, I, I just, you know, looking at the big, you know, like there's like chemistry is like really hard to define. Um, we've seen it when it doesn't work, you know, it's kind of, it, it, there's blaring sirens. Just look oh, yeah. across, the, just look across the river in Brooklyn. Um, you know, the greatest collection of offensive talent we were told in, in NBA history um, that didn't end up really well. And a lot of it has to do with ego and, and narcissism and, and selfishness. Um, and that exploded. Um, look at the Hawks. Um, Trey Young, DeJounte yeah. Murray, John Collins, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, now Sadiq Bey. Like, they're a really talented team. That's why yeah. everybody in the – every pundit picked them to finish ahead of the Knicks this season. But the presence of Brunson, um, you know, when, how often did we see Randall smile like that last year? Um, it's not just his production. Right. Never. <laughs> it's just his – the feel and the vibe of this team – um, has completely changed. So um, the on-court, as, as valuable as Brunson has been in terms of points per game and assists per game and turnovers dropping, um, I just can't help but think um, that he's really directly attributable to the change of the feet, emotion in and around the team. Um, so he deserves a ton of credit for that. And, you know, next week we'll talk about, you know, um, you know, games on the schedule and how many games they might finish with and what games, how many games they might need to win and et cetera. Um, but just as we, you know, I just, I thought it was worth to take a couple minutes to just kind of reflect over these first few months, because I, again, I think we talked about it last pod. Like a lot of people have told me, this is the most fun I've had watching the Knicks in I don't know how many years, you know, and obviously yeah. a lot of it has to do with winning, of course, like that's the main thing, but the way the team shares the ball, the way the, the way the team competes, I think it just kind of takes on the identity of Jalen Brunson. Um, so again, you can't give enough credit to the guy. The fact that he's not going to be in the All-Star game um, is a, is an absolute joke. It, it's li literally a joke at this point. Um, right, and, yeah. and I think to your point, like in, earlier this week in one of the pods, you said one of the storylines should be represented in the All-Star game. And I don't know if there's how many bigger storylines there are. Um, obviously, the, the stars, Duran, Kyrie getting traded and everything. But in terms of, you know, from the start of the season to now, um, the story of Jalen Brunson and his impact on the Knicks is, you know, really at the very top of the list. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about, you know, storylines of this NBA, you know, Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland, he's starting in the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, you know, the Celtics getting their two All-Stars. They're one of the best teams in the league. Like, the, the, the story, you know, the Sacramento Kings, you know, they have DeMontis, and eventually, finally, they got Darren Fox. Like, yep. it feels like I said the storylines of the NBA were being represented by the All-Star selections and the Knicks – and, and one of the biggest ones in the Eastern Conference to me is Jalen Brunson, the by far the best free agent signing this season. 
is not there, even though he's took the Knicks that they won, I think, what, 37 games in total last season? They have 33 wins right now. And they, they've massively improved this year, and he's not there. That's that's very unfortunate. But when I, I go to those standings, though, and talking about these teams, because there's a certain point, and we're not going to get crazy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, the Knicks are going to win a championship this year or anything like that. But when we talk about what this Knicks team can do and where they rank in the NBA, I think we there needs to be more respect put on their name. Because when I hear about these other teams that can win championships, I hear about the Phoenix Suns. Los Angeles Clippers, Dallas Mavericks, Golden State Warriors. Guess what? The Knicks have better records than all those teams I just named. All of them. And those teams, we, we routinely say, oh, well, you know, they piece it together and they get healthy, or well, maybe they can win a championship. Well, the Knicks are doing this without Mitchell Robinson. So what if he gets healthy? I'm not saying, yeah, they can win a championship. I'm just saying when we talk about how good this team is, because, I, I, you know, I said this on this episode, on this podcast, but I think I said it more on WFAM when I was hosting a couple weeks ago. It was starting to become maddening, this anger from some segment of Knicks fans with, like, frustration that the team wasn't better. And I'm like, the Knicks are a good team now. Like, what? Like they, they've been a terrible team for years, and they, they made the playoffs that one year. Then they had a miserable season last year. But when you watch how they played this season, what is there really to complain about? Um, Brunson is playing like an all-star. Julius Randle has returned to all-star form. The Knicks look like a competent team. They play hard every night. Like, uh, yes, we will go through that. You know, RJ needs to play better, and this guy needs to be more consistent. We we can talk about those things. But some of the anger that comes around, like this team and the idea they're going nowhere, Rome was not built in a day, and things sometimes have to take time to progress. This has been a really good Knicks season so far. The fact that they're six games above five hundred going into the All Star break, that's the best case scenario I think anybody looking at this season could have asked for. If you told me they were 16 by 500 with Donovan Mitchell, I would have said, all right, that sounds about right. The fact that they're there without him and he did not make that trade, like, there's a really a lot of positive sign takeaway from this team. And I can't say enough for about the job that everybody's done. Leon getting uh, Jalen Brunson, doing everything it took to get him. And Tibbs for finding a way to, to, to fit these guys together in a position for them to succeed. Uh, it took a long time. It didn't look like it was going to work out at points in the season. But he's found a rotation, adding Josh Hart to this mix. Now this is a Knicks team that the city can be proud of. I think that these fans should be proud of. I think a lot of them are. But there's still some segment that are just saying, well, what does this mean? Who cares what it means? It means that your team is in the sixth seed. It means that your team right now is in a playoff hunt. Like, root for the team that's in the playoff hunt. Let's see what happens here. Like, sometimes we talk about watching TV shows and people want to say, well, what's going to happen at the end? Sometimes just watch the show. Like, the show or the movie. Like, it may end up fine. It may end up good. You don't know. Like, to always just, like, you know, like, just be so, like, defeatist and so, like, angry about, well, I don't know what's going to happen with this and that. It's like, just watch what's going on, okay? A month ago, we didn't think they'd be here after Mitch Robinson went down. Now they're six games above 500. Mitch Robinson's coming back. It's all, like you said, the vibes are immaculate. Like, I don't know how else to say it. That's it. Um, the, and the next 14 games without Mitch Robinson to beat eight and six, two games above 500 in those 14 games, um, remarkable. The the thing I would say about the segment of the fan base to prove how idiotic, I, I, I don't want to say it yet, um, how funny <laughs> you know, some fans can be. There are, is a segment of the fan base that is watching Cam Reddish put up 17. I know. 
in a Blazers game, you know, as if it's yeah. in, in, in a 20 point loss, as if that matters when Josh Hart has had the best three game start to a Knicks career, you know, you, then you could possibly imagine. Um, so you, again, you can't worry about the, the 10% here and that, you know, at either extreme, um, because there were people that are convinced that they're going to win 60 games and there are people that just want to see the whole thing burn. Um, but you're right. I think the vast majority of fans in the middle, um, and, and maybe that's a good uh, metaphor for society, we're more <laughs> on the same page than than, than we're not, you know. Um, so, yes, there, there's a lot to, you know, obviously um, to look ahead towards. Um, and, and you mentioned the return of Mitchell Robinson. Um, that's when things get really interesting. This team has played, again, just outside. the t- Their offense has been fantastic, top five in offensive yeah. efficiency over the last two months. And, they've again, their the defense has hung in there um, and better than league average uh, during the stretch without Mitchell Robinson um, or uh, slightly below league average without Mitchell Robinson, but, you know, just outside the top ten for the season. Um, when he returns, now you're going to see how about 48 minutes of Mitchell Robinson and this new and improved Isaiah Hartenstein, that's yeah. what really unlock and even higher ceiling for the Knicks. Um, Sims has played well, but I think clearly um, Mitch Robin and this version of Hartenstein have, have established themselves as the, you know, in a big game. Those are the two guys I, I want to see. Sims is great to have as an insurance policy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's had some ups and downs and, and played relatively well of late. Um, but, um, and yes, credit to Hartenstein, because you, to your point, he was more of a finesse kind of, you know, a, a high assist rate guy. It was kind of, you know, facilitating. Yeah, yeah. Now he's doing dirty work under the boards. Blocking he's a bulldog. Shots, yeah. Grabbing, grabbing rebounds, um, you know, everything you could ask for him. Um, and in terms of, yes, to talk about championship expectations right now um, would be foolish. But I can say this morning, and probably for the first time since we started this podcast this season, that I wouldn't be surprised to see the Knicks win a first round series right now. Mm. You know, like I think they'll probably be underdogs if they get to the five seed and have to play the Cavs. Cavs have home court advantage. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, um, you know, Evan Mobley. Uh, Kevin Love asked for a buyout, which I found yeah. out. Um, yeah, you know, he hasn't we'll been playing how, much recently. We'll, yeah. see, we'll see how that plays itself out. Um, but th- the reason I think that the Knicks can win a playoff series is because I think they have a chance to get to the five seed. They wouldn't, in my opinion, or I should say it's unlikely that they'd be able to compete and extend the the, the cream of the crop in the East. Uh, the Celtics and the Bucks specifically. Sixers are a little bit different story. We've, we've shown mm. that they can hang. Um, you know, but if, again, if the Knicks avoid that, that, that uh, obviously the play in the seven or eight scenario, and can jump past the, the hold off the heat and jump past the nets f- for the five seed. It seems almost assuredly um, that the Cavs will hold on to the four seed unless, you know, the, the Cavs and Sixers might flip-flop. Not crazy. They're only separated by a couple games. Um, but, goodness, that would be a highly anticipated first-round series. Um, the Knicks oh, yeah. and Jalen Brunson against – who Jalen Brunson, who torched Donovan Mitchell uh, yeah. last June, uh, uh, last April in, in the first round of the Utah uh, – Utah, um, uh, Dallas, Dallas series. series yeah. Um, so th- just, uh, the storylines on that one, forget about it. Uh, we're a long way from there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're 22 games left, still left in the regular season. But, um, again, if we're talking realistically, um, you know, the Knicks, as you mentioned, they have a better record than all these teams. They've played better over the last two months. They've, they've done this without RJ Barrett playing well, um, playing poorly as a matter of fact, um, they've right. done this without Mitchell Robinson at all. Um, you know, the best case scenario, they come back, Brunson continues to play incredibly efficient. Randall does Randall things, which is you know pretty much a safe bet. 
And even if um, Brunson kind of regresses to the mean a little bit, I mean, goodness gracious, the guy can't average 30 points a night, you would right. think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here we are. Um, but then you still Grimes is, has been in a shooting slump. You expect him to improve the second half of the season. You expect Barrett to improve the second half of the season. You get Mitch Rob back. Um, if Hardenstein can maintain that level, um, IQ is a metronome, just so incredibly consistent every single time he steps on the floor. Um, uh, the, the best thing you can say about this Knicks team is whoever that five seed is, whoever that six seed is, they're hoping they play a team that's not the Knicks, whether it's the KD and Kyrie-less Nets, um, you know, or even the Heat. You know, at this stage of the game, if you ask one of those teams who you'd rather play, I think a lot of them would say Miami, um, which says a lot about how far the Knicks have come. Yeah, and when you, you talk about those top teams, like I, I agree, like the Celtics and Bucks, they feel like certain level of monster that it would be tough for the Knicks to beat those teams, yeah. though they competed well against both those teams yep. this season. Um, I, I can't put the Sixers in that conversation right now. I, to me, That's like fair. if the Knicks That's get this, even the sixth seed, I I, I, I want the smoke. I, I'm telling you right now, I want the smoke with Philly. Like Philly has had now, again, to be clear, I did pick Philly to go to the championship before this season. So I was high on Philly coming into the season. But they got to show up. Like how many postseasons we've seen with Philly where there's always some excuse for why they didn't get it done. Whether it's Ben Simmons, then he was Benson was out, and then it was all Embiid was hurt. Like it's always something with Philly. Doc Rivers can't coach his way out, manage his way out of a paper bag to quote Adam Shine. Like, like it's always something. Yep. So I, I would take my chances against a team that always seems to find a way to screw it up. Um, in, in that situation, and I think the Knicks match up okay. You know, Mitchell Robinson, the Garden Embiid. Uh, they got now plenty of wing defenders now. When you add Josh Hart, when you're dealing with someone like Harden. So you got Grimes and Harden, and and Hart can kind of you know, you know flip flop between those guys. I think that that's a pretty decent matchup. I mean, the Sixers clearly come in maybe with a little more talent, but the Knicks can they can, they can beat those guys. So like I, I think that if they get to that six spot, the Knicks have a real shot to win a first round series. And it, again, that's not something I thought I could have I would have said even a month ago or even maybe three weeks ago. But the way they're playing right now, that's how confident I'm feeling. Plus, you factor in the Knicks would be completely playing with house money against a series yeah. like you know against the Sixers. Heaven forbid the Knicks ever win one of those first two games in Philly. The pressure gets ratcheted up incredibly high um, on the Sixers. How does Harden respond? It's wild going into a series. The Knicks would actually, in my opinion, have the advantage at point guard. You know, the matchup yeah. between, between Harden and Johnson just shows how well he's played the season. And I've never been a big Harden guy, especially in a big spot. And we've talked about the Philly before. Um, I am not a Philly guy. I'm not a Philly fan. Um, yeah. I'm not high on Harden. I'm not high at Rivers in a big spot. Um, the thing that kind of pushes it over the edge for me is Embiid because he's capable yeah, he's a of averaging. He's a, he, can, he can average 40, 40 points a night on, on 60% shooting over a six-game series. Um, Maxie's a, a stud coming off the bench. He'll probably be in the starting lineup by, by that stage of the game. Yeah. We'll, see, or, you know, we'll see how they handle it. But the Anthony Melton is, is a great defender. But Brunson's eight in his lunch the last two times they've met. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, a lot to look forward to. But um, you know, the, the reality is these are not crazy conversations to have. And I would have thought it would have been if it would have been crazy if you told me two months ago, three months ago, that we'd be having these conversations and, and not sounding foolish. Yeah, I think the one thing that about Philly that makes me feel good about the Knicks and the matchup with them is I think the Knicks have shown they have their most problems with teams that have an athletic profile that is so much more superior to them. Um, Philly is a extremely slow team. Um, they're starting, you know, guys that are in their upper thirties, and a guy like PJ Tucker. 
Um, James Harden not going to beat you with athleticism. You know, Embiid's a, a huge guy and a big, great athlete at the center position. But outside of him, they're not a team that's going to run away from you. Uh, you know, they're not a team that that's you know Tobias Harris, good player, but not an athlete. Like the Knicks athletically match up extremely well with them. At that point, it'd be a determinant of all right, who plays well over seven games. And I'm not sure if nobody will play as good as Embiid over seven games. But could the Knicks as a team play better than the Sixers? Coach better than the Sixers for seven games? Possible. I, 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 I think that is not impossible. It is definitely not impossible. 